With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Challenging. Thought-provoking. Insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Hey, y'all, how you doing? Listen, this is Dr. Sean, and uh, you've reached the Ninja Pastor, if you don't know me by my real name. And uh, you've reached the Collision of Faith and Politics Sundays with Dr. Sean. I know every week I talk about it, and then I But I got to tell you, today the food is ridiculous. Except for what you guys listen on the radio, you probably remember me talking. I don't know how long ago it was, but where, ironically, we had no entrees and all desserts. Today, we have all entrees and no dessert. Technically, no dessert. We do have some chocolate truffle. Let me tell you, folks, you are missing it. It is so, so good. All home-done stuff and really super good stuff. We're glad you joined us. It's been a little bit of a crazy week. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, for for me, it's been a, it's been a wonderful week. Sorry to say, it's been a wonderful week. I hoot and hollered, cried, got on my knees, raised my hands to heaven. Thank the Lord. No, I'm not saying that I think Donald Trump is the president. What I'm saying is he is the man that was the place for such a time as this, and everything that he's done so far has really pleased me. I don't mind the tweets. Tweets don't bother me. I like that he's tweeting directly to America, don't you? Uh, I like that we can talk directly to him. Because I like that uh, he went to a place most presidents don't frequently go. He stood in front of the Blue Stars at Langley. I've been there many times, and many of my friends are represented by Blue Stars there. And uh, he spoke directly to the many people of the CIA who many very patriotic people, people who love this country and put everything on the line for this country. Uh, and they're never, they never get a parade. They never, they never get a hail. They never get a thank you for your service. In fact, whenever you get an award there, you get the reward or the award and then they take it back. And they put it in the file somewhere for you. But many of them are represented there. And, and so I was really pleased to see the president went and, and stood in front of those stars and honored the people that were there. And as you can tell by the standing five-minute standing ovation, they were pleased to have new leadership, and I'm excited for it. Um, I was also very excited. How many of you saw the news conference, the uh, press, what did we call that, press conference, press beatdown? Fake, yeah, I mean, to tell you, Sean Spicer got in there and got after it and got out. And I really, really, really liked it. I really did. And people say, well, that's so disrespectful. Wow, that's a... How many of you liked the speech that President Trump gave? He's fearless. This man is fearless in front of all those people. He said, well, it's a time of concilia, conciliation, reconciliation. We won. We won. There's, there, we got a war to fight here. Who I'm most excited for are our soldiers. We have one here 
um, in, in presence with us, and of course I'm a veteran and many others. Welcome, by the way, to our guest in, uh, in uh, chat, and by the way, welcome to Craig uh, in upstate New York. We're glad to, glad to see you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Chat is open, by the way, but I like, this, I like the speech because it was direct. It was 16 minutes. It's one of the shortest inaugural speeches in all of history. And I liked it. I liked the content. I liked all of it. I just liked it. <clears throat> Getting it done. But one thing that happened that I didn't like, which is what motivated uh, this message, is how a lot of the folks are behaving. Now, there was, uh, they call it a protest, but it, were, it was riots. And ironically, Larry King of CNN, used to be of CNN, his limo got trashed. Uh, I'll say their names because it's just too funny for me. I'll give them some free advertising. But huge liberal organization, Starbucks, huge contributor to Hillary Clinton, uh, got destroyed. I mean, it was really I, – I thought they just broke some windows, but they didn't. They went in and destroyed the place. Um, and then, of all things, Bank of America, one of the largest other than, uh, other than the, the uh, Middle Eastern nations, Middle Eastern countries – uh, one of the biggest contributors to Hillary Clinton, and they got trashed. One of their branches got trashed. So, uh, and it's a left damaging it. And I just thought it was really funny. Um, when will they learn? But then, the, then the next day, or the you know uh, yesterday, I guess it was, all of the uh, protests all across the world. Really, there was a lot of places overseas where there were a lot of women. I think believing that they were representing all women, uh, but they weren't because I'm hearing from thousands of women in, in my. Uh, my foot, my footprint, that uh, they aren't happy about it. They are not happy about being lumped in with those folks. And you, if you saw, I'm not going to repeat, some, I can't repeat some of the stuff here that you see uh, was just horrible. Now, I have a friend who was there, uh, and, you know, he was telling me all about the different things he was saying. And I said, well, why aren't we seeing it on your channel? Because he works for, I won't say who he works for. I'm, I shouldn't even have said that. But, um, he was there working, but he said the producers are sending the video to the network, but the network's not putting it on. So I'm not sure why that was. But another network, uh, I think they call it the Communist News Network, they they actually, I mean CNN, they had all, those are the letters, they actually were on it all day long. And it was really, a, they were really excited about it. And uh, boy, in this case, look, look at all the protests around the world. People do not want Trump. And... uh I had to think some about the mind of the folks that were doing this, the minds of these people, uh, how disturbed they must be. Now, I know I say it all the time, liberalism is a mental disease. I, I really believe that. I think sometimes you'll see a fact, you'll see an indisputable fact, and you'll say, I just don't know how you could arrive at the conclusion you arrived at because I'm looking at this. I watched it happen, and I, I don't see how you make that leap. That's honestly what I do, and I think to myself, well, one of us is crazy. Be because a lot of times what we'll say is, well, the left is just misinformed. Well, the left got their information from a different place. But the funny thing to me is, the interesting thing to me, I shouldn't say funny, but the interesting thing is it really comes down to their mind because when you have a situation like I just talked about, two groups of people see live. They're right there. They're in the same location, same vantage point, same perspective physically, and yet they perceive the event radically differently, the meaning of the event, everything. And that comes down ultimately to the mind of the person, doesn't it? It comes down to what's in your mind, what's in your heart. I thought guard your mind. What you think might not be what you think. What you think might not be what you think. What we need to understand is, as humans is that our thoughts aren't true or false. They're, they're often simply not reality. It's not a true or false thing. Uh, let's see here. Poetic justice in action. Craig from New York said it was poetic justice in action. Um, <laughs> to whom I say, suck it up, buttercup. He's the prez. Did you all go – if you follow me on Facebook, I always say I'm supposed to give all this information at the beginning, and I never remember – uh, if you follow me on Facebook, um, just go to Facebook and type in, I don't know, SM Greener, I guess, facebook.com backslash SM Greener, God and Country Radio Show. Um, but if you go there, I just posted a video. It's actually two videos from Chicks on the Right. 
it's two videos. You have to scroll way down to get to the second video. But believe you me, it's like eating. A, if you don't get that second video, it's like eating only the outside of a peanut M&M. You know what I mean? It, it is truly like that. Uh, <laughs> this video. This woman gets on this plane, and she immediately, she's, you know, it's three seats. I'm assuming it's her husband or life partner or whatever. Uh, and he's on the aisle, and then she's in the middle. And then this other fellow's on the the uh, window. And in this, this woman comes on the plane, and he's got a Jesus fish uh, tattooed on his forearm, on the inside of his forearm. And she starts in on this guy right away. Well, are you here in Washington to uh, celebrate something or to protest something? He said, oh, no, I'm, I'm here to celebrate the inauguration. And then she went off on him. Any of you here see this video? Unbelievable. I had to watch it three times. I giggled throughout all of it. Well, what happens in this, I won't spoil all of it for you, but this woman who, let's be honest, she's got to be in her late 50s, early 60s, maybe mid-60s. She's old enough to know better. So she starts up one side of this fella and down the side, and she says, I'm going to vomit in your lap on this flight. I'm going to throw up in your lap because that's what you deserve. And then she just continued to go on and on and on. And some folks heard this on the plane, and they discreetly – he was very, very, um, very calm, very – he didn't blow up at her. He didn't cuss her. You know, he just was very calm, very laid back. The fellow trapped on the aisle. He was, he was very respectful. And, uh, you know, she kept saying, how could you put somebody – a crazy person in charge of the nuclear codes uh, and, and that other really vile stuff. And so – Finally, the, the flight attendant comes up and says, you know, you have to tone it down. I mean, you, you can't be like this. And then she goes off on the flight attendant. And then finally, uh, the flight attendant comes up and says, you got to go. We're going to ask you to leave the plane. And then she goes, oh, no, I'm staying right here. I am staying right here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going home. And then he said, no, actually, you're you're going with us. We can get the police if you want. And she said, oh, no, I paid for the ticket. I paid for my ticket. I'm going home. My His his mother just died. Isn't it interesting? How some people in their mind, they're the attacker until they start losing. And then they become the victim. Because then she started saying, well, his mother just died. You can't. You We are absolutely going to pay for this ticket. His mother just died. You know, have some respect. Literally, quote, have some respect. Isn't that interesting? All of a sudden, the attacker becomes a victim. You know, that's very much a uh, a tactic of Islam. Attack, 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 till you start to lose, and then feign uh, giving up or feign, you know, uh, oh help me, I want to, I want to be conciliatory, and then as soon as you gain your power back or you rearm, then you go back and attack. I say all this to say to to say this thing. The folks, uh, you know, around this happening, they just want to get home too, right? In their mind, they're saying, shut up, lady, right? We want to go home. It's like being on a bus, you know, but it's 35,000 feet in the sky, and you need to maintain. You, you keep your mind, and if you're so mad, keep that to yourself. You know why? Because, look, everybody here paid for their ticket, the fellow you were berating paid for his ticket. His mind was all about, I'm going home. I just want to go home. He had people he loved waiting on him at home, and he was respectful. The people all around, if you watch these two videos, the people all around them, some of them, you know, is what happened today is people whip out their phones and start videotaping. Videotaping. How old am I? You know, they press the little round button and it blinks and they video. Um <clears throat> The people all around were, were, you know, starting to video, and but they were very respectful and very quiet. Till finally, this woman said, I'm not leaving. Well, the husband says, or whoever, says, and he's, he's, he seems kind of odd to me. He was rather emotionless, and he says to the, uh, to the um, flight attendant, how about a compromise? How about we promise to be quiet for the rest of the flight? Really? Because you're kind of supposed to do that anyway. You're not giving us anything. You see how a, a depraved mind thinks? They think that by behaving appropriately, 
they're doing you a favor. They're rising above. By not berating an innocent person, they're demonstrating their superiority. So he says this, and the flight attendant says, no, that, we're past that now. So finally, please come on the plane, and they very clearly say, time to go. Uh, and I couldn't make out what the lady was saying, uh, but then finally she got her stuff, and police officers escort her off. And she gets about four seats away from where the second video is of Vantage Point, the people right across the aisle. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> she gets about, uh, I don't know, four seats away, and everybody starts to clap. Now, see, that's a unity of mind, right? When you're on a bus or a train car or on an airplane, you better have some unity of mind, right? Because you're going to be trapped. And if this is a cross-country, if this is a cross-country thing, thank you. Um, maybe Ginger Ale, I appreciate that. Um, <coughs> if this is a cross-country thing, that's a long flight from Washington. How many of you have flown across the country? It's a long flight. You don't want to be sitting there having this mess. Oh, oh, and she says, one thing she said I thought was funny, talking about where her mind is. Because that's what we're talking about today, how our mind can get messed up. She said to the to the uh, the flight attendant and the police officer, he was touching my arm on the armrest. Ooh, my goodness, that's terrible. You know, my goodness, you poor thing, how'd you make it? You need some counseling or something? Let's help you out. It just, it literally slayed me. I got to be honest with you, it cracked me up. And and the problem was, is, you know, of course, we had people coming here, live live audience coming here. And, you know, I had to get going. I had to get ready and stuff. And I kept watching it and watching it and just laughing in such glee. Not because this woman got what was coming to her, because she did get what was coming to her, let's be honest. But because a depraved mind, was addressed, thank you, was addressed directly. And the problem, the behaviors, consequences were realized immediately. Now, I want to say this about that. Um, oh, hello, Miss Cahalan, how are you? And uh, we have Alaska uh, listening too. Good to have you. Um, Oh, someone's asking about the show Wednesday. You know, I'm going to tell you, you know, that we're there live on uh, Sunday. You know, I, I was in bed pretty much the whole day, wasn't it? About pretty much the whole day on Sunday. And uh, I just thought I could shake it. And, uh, and Saturday, part of Saturday, too. I thought I could shake what was going on. Uh, it, I had this head cold everybody's getting. By Sunday, I could barely think. I could. I had this terrible, terrible pounding headache. And sinuses felt like they were going to explode. My whole head was going to explode. I kid you not, on the way there, isn't this true? On the way there, I could barely talk. Come time to preach, I had a pretty clear voice, right? Wouldn't you think? Pretty clear. And uh, But immediately after and on the ride back to my home, I'm telling you, I could barely talk. My head was about to explode. And I got so sick. Took your H2O2, by the way. And it did help. I believe it did help. Uh, I got so sick. I'm not kidding you. So sick that uh i was in bed all the way through wednesday literally in bed all day each of those days and so um yeah boy i'm telling you it was uh it was something i could not do so i apologize for missing that um on on wednesday but we'll do a show this wednesday we'll make up for it i promise you and miss kahalen you say hello to chris kahalen folks we need to be praying for chris um you know he's in the thick of it so let's stick in it all right so now I mean, it's fun. It's fun to talk about that situation with the woman on the plane. I often think the rioters—I don't call them protesters. You start throwing trash. I'll even take it this far: the ladies, women—I don't want to call anybody a gender. They don't want to be called. But these folks that were protesting—I call them rioters as well. Why? Because they left behind literally tons of trash. Somebody's got to be paid to clean up. So, well, that's what they're paid for. No, that's not what they're paid to do. They're paid to do their job. Their job isn't picking up after folks. You, know, you folks are supposed to be grown. So they had to come by and do that. And on top of that, 
young children, some of these folks brought their young children now thinking about your mind. As a parent, how in the world would you bring your child to see things? Anybody hear Madonna's? Uh, the, the network's going to be fined $250,000 for every time she uttered the F word. I'm told she said the F word six times on air. That is a lot of money. Everybody knows you're not allowed to do that, right? Everybody knows that. So I look at that kind of like terrorism, and terrorism is a thing of the mind. You terrorize the mind. But our minds can be terrorized in our lives. Our minds can be terrorized by wrong thinking. Well, this is what I think is interesting. Uh, we need to understand our thoughts aren't true or false. Just like I said a few minutes ago, that sometimes we think the wrong way. Have you ever thought wrong about something? Our thoughts are, are just a product of the body part called the mind. And while the mind is a very important part of us, it's still just a part. It's like a hand or a leg. I'm not my mind. My mind is part of my body. The thoughts that I have are either empowering or disempowering. It's one or the other. But the fact of the matter is, is they're under my control. What I do with that, it's under my control. Now, T. Harv Ecker is, is his name. I don't follow this guy, but he, he wrote an amazing book. I think it's a very, very good book, and there's some nuggets in there. Um, and, and he wrote on the emphasis of what he calls declarations instead of affirmations. I thought this was important. And his analysis on the mind was this. What we need to understand as humans is that our thoughts aren't true or false. They often simply aren't reality. That's a quote from him. They're a product of the body part called the mind. The mind is a very important part of us, but it's still just a part of us like the hand or the leg. I'm not my mind. My mind is part of my body. The thoughts I have are either empowering or disempowering, and they're under my control. If we permitted our hand to do anything it felt like, because it's a hand, we'd be in serious trouble. I must direct it appropriately for my best needs. Now, I'm paraphrasing here, but for me, this is uh, significant, and honestly, it's very biblical. The guy didn't know he's quoting the Bible, but it's extremely biblical. The Bible speaks often of filling your mind, directing your mind. Your mind and your thoughts create your beliefs and actions. Now, we very often attribute great significance to our thoughts, don't we? But often those thoughts are most, most often they're wrong. We just think wrong sometimes about stuff. And yet they're still influential. Even though they're wrong, they still influence us. Our mind, the way that we think, how we think, the product of our mind is often wrong. And sometimes we do the wrong thing. We go the wrong way. Your mind and thoughts, they create your beliefs and actions. This is just what happens. And we often attribute great significance to our thoughts. But very often, as I've said, the thoughts are most often wrong. As you know, the Greek word for repentance is, in fact, metanoia. Metanoia. And then what it means is change of mind. Review, uh, re the renewing of the mind is spoken of repeatedly in Scripture. And our, our secular natural mind, just how we think when we're not thinking on things of God, precepts of God, the principles of God, thinking through Scripture, a lot of times what we'll do is we think in our secular, worldly, natural mind. And it's a characteristic of the fallen mind that this body part, it tricks us every day. It tricks us every day. Our mind tricks us every day when we're thinking in the secular and the uh, I want to say ungodly, but I don't want to say it ungodly because it connotes you're you're out you're up to no good. You're you're thinking intentionally evil, but that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is here, your natural mind, if you don't guard your mind and say that I need to connect to spiritual precepts here, I need to connect to Torah, I need to connect to Scripture. If you're not doing that, a lot of times we go the wrong way. And I thought this was interesting. Last Sunday during a sermon in my home state. A pastor told his church how near-death experiences, the pastor said uh, that people who have had NDEs, that's the short for near-death experiences, they report that they've never felt so alive. They have this near-death experience, and all of a sudden, they're so alive. Their minds were finally free and able to understand and see things clearly. And I thought that it was significant, too, because, ironically, I had just binged watch uh, on this service thing I'm not going to say their name because they don't, they don't help me pay for this thing. Um, Bench watched this new series. They just finished season one, and believe you me, I watched every one, uh, on this girl who had a near-death experience and then her experiences of relating those experiences to the people in her lives. And it's freaky. It's kind of weird. 
but interesting at the same time. So I thought, wow, isn't that interesting? That's popping up twice. First Corinthians thirteen twelve. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. I want you to understand that Ecker's belief on affirmations. Now, here's kind of how it goes. Here's an example of it. I am successful or I am rich or whatever. Is that the true you knows the catchy affirmations aren't true? And I kind of like that about him because he uses a lot. A lot of times he'll be giving a speech or doing a seminar and he'll go, yes or yes. So he'll make a statement and see if you agree. He'll say yes or no. No, but he doesn't do that. He says yes or yes. Then he moves on. It gets on my nerves after a while, but little tricky little thing he does. But I like what he says here. I am successful or I am rich. You know, that's your affirmation. Whatever. Whatever your affirmation is. I'm tall and good looking. Whatever. You know, I have lots of money. You know, whatever your affirmation is. Remember that? Everybody in the room here is old enough. The people on, on chat are old enough. No. You've heard people that want to talk about using that, that the power of affirmation. So you just say something. A lot of people said you keep saying it until it becomes true. There was trouble with that because the true you knows that those catchy affirmations aren't true. Look, I can say I'm tall and good looking, but you're proof that I'm not. You know, face radio. Declaration sets your mind a direction. It gives you a direction. Your thoughts need direction. Your mind isn't you, though. Your mind needs direction. Props are, you, you've got to give proper direction. I've often thought about the fact that it seems like Satan can get in our minds. And we're instructed not to let them. But, you know, how many times have you been in a place in your life? I'm sure uh, we've had some in the room that have had addictions. Some have been in bad situations. Maybe part of your life you were going a bad direction. Um, I've, I've been in many situations like that. It's a struggle, isn't it? You know? It seems like Satan gets in. Maybe fear. You know, fear might be a thing for you uh, or, or listening all around the world. Fear. You might have a fear. Hopelessness. Depression. We'll talk more about depression in a little bit. Um, but we're instructed not to let Satan gain a foothold in our mind. Second Corinthians 10.5, we take captive every thought to Christ. We demolish arguments and every pretension. You see, thoughts aren't us. They don't deserve honor because they just flit through our mind. It's just a whoosh, you know, it's there. And it'll happen without us thinking about it unless we think on the right things. They're not true or real because somehow we have these thoughts doesn't make them any, any more true. They have to be examined or rejected or embraced. You've got to examine it through your head. You've got to either reject it because it doesn't fit what you've placed your beliefs in. In other words, Scripture. Or embraced. Got to do one or the other. Then you've got to ask yourself, do these thoughts help me or do they hurt me? Do they line up with what God says or don't they? God says thoughts come from a lot of places, and Satan wants us. He, we all know this. He, he, the devil is a liar. He's a liar. He's, he's, he's the chief deceiver, and he wants you to be deceived. We assume our thoughts are ours. Uh, they're, they're, they're the us. Our thoughts are ours, and we think, in our secular, natural mind, that they're there to help us. Well, God says no. No, they're not. Because here's why. Thoughts become feelings. Feelings become action. And part of our actions are words. See, that lady on the airplane, she didn't think that her words were going to ever result in any sort of action until she found out the consequences of her thinking and her words. Her words took to life. You know, actions and words, they make up our life, what we do and what we say. What other people do related to us, what other people say related to us, that that becomes our life. If you wanted to, I think you could also, uh, the same network, I'm not going to give them props. Um, I'm blown away by them. Such a deal. Nine bucks a month, something like that. Such a deal. I was watching this thing on there because I was sick, you know, all day long I'm watching this. The whole, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm kidding you. From the second I woke up to the second I fell asleep watching this thing. And I watched this documentary about this woman. And she is what they call an extreme runner. Now, what I'm about to say is absolutely true. I watched it from beginning to end. This woman ran 272 miles, trail ran, 
in, in the hills and mountains of Vermont in four days. I kid you not. She went two full days without sleeping at all. One day she ran over 40 miles without stopping. 40 miles without over 10 marathons over the course of less than four days. And she didn't die. That's that's the thing. I had to watch it to see if there's going to be sad music popping up. You know, oh, the poor lady she felt. And I'm telling you, she had to climb off of rocks and cross streams. And I, I'm telling you, I'm looking around for the bears because you all know I want to see bears. And, uh, and I'm looking around for the bears. And this woman, I'm telling you, at different periods, she would burst out into tears. She would just she would just erupt into this really terrible depression. She was sleep deprived. Her body was to look at her feet was horrible. It was horrible to look at this woman's feet. But you know, when she was getting interviewed in different spots, she she started talking about depression. She said, you know, I suffer with depression, and and uh, best things I found. Nothing else helped me until I found running. And she said, you know, physical movement, brutal running. This is really what we're talking about. 272 miles in the hills of Vermont, days without sleeping. She found it quieting and distracting to the mind. And I'm going to tell you, the mind is a battlefield. Without God, you know, humans can't do those types of things without extraordinary effort. Some extraordinary effort has to come. And, you know, Yeshua, the light that cannot be hidden. I'm going to talk about that, and, and I'll tie that, this in this way. In the Gospel of John, it said that uh, it, it's recorded that Yeshua said, I am the way, truth, and the life. You know, people ask me all the time, well, what denomination is your thing here, your kehala? What is that? And I said, it's no dom- denomination. We have Jews. We have Messianic Jews. We have, we have Baptists. We have um uh, Catholics, we have all kinds. I mean, we really do. We have Methodists. But I refer to myself, this is me not speaking for everybody else, but I refer to myself as a follower of the way. And where that comes from is the way, the truth, and the life. The Greek word translated truth in this verse is eletia. Eletia. It's a compound word formed from an, an alpha prefix, a, meaning not, and lete, meaning forgetfulness. And that's something, not forgetful. In Greek mythology, the waters of Lethe induced a state of oblivion or forgetfulness. Truth is, therefore, uh, it's it's a kind of remembering something that you had previously forgotten or recollecting of what is essentially real. Etymologically, the word aletheia suggests that truth is also unforgettable. In other words, not Lethe. That is, it has its own inherent and irresistible witness to reality. Isn't that something? We can't lie to ourselves about God or the things of God. We just can't do it. Claim we don't know. Scripture such as Romans 120, it says, makes it very clear, we've got no excuse. We've got no excuse. People may lie to themselves, but ultimately the truth has the final word. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, 5. Greek scholars note that the word lethe itself is derived from the verb lentano, which means to be hidden. So the general idea is that eletheia, or truth, is a non-concealment, non-hiddenness, or put positively, really, we could put it the positive, it's a revelation or it's a disclosure. Thus the word of Yeshua. His message is often referred to as logos, logos, in Greek, the word, it's, 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 um, Revelation, its presence, it's both unforgettable and irrepressible. Yeshua is the unforgettable one, and he's been manifest as the expressed word of God. Yeshua is the light of the world and the one who gives us the light of life. You can look at John 18, or I'm sorry, John 8, 12 for more on that. No, God's message, could, we know that in our mind and the minds of people around the world, God's message could be suppressed by evil. And it could be suppressed by darkened thinking. And it could be suppressed by uh, this intuition that sometimes we think we have, but a lot of times we're wrong. You can look at Romans uh, 1. I'll, I'll read it. Why not? I wasn't going to, but I will. For what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world's, God's world, God's invisible qualities, his 
eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from his workmanship so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and darkened in their foolish hearts. Now, the Hebrew word, I always like to tie it back to Hebrew because I think it's interesting. You know, Yeshua was and is a Jew. And so Hebrew is the language, essentially the voice of Yeshua, the voice of God. He didn't choose it for nothing. There's a reason. So the Hebrew word for truth is emet. Emet. It comes from a verb, emon, that means to support or make firm. There's a number of derived nouns that connote, and I know we're, we're not cool here, but this is important to know, derived nouns that connote the sense of reliability or assurance. An example would be pillars of support. The noun emuna, faithfulness or trustworthiness, comes from this root, as does the word for faithful ones who are established in God's way. And if you want to read more about God's way, established in God's way, faithful in God's way, go to Psalm 12.1. Now, there's a play on words regarding truth, and this occurs in the prophet Isaiah. Im lot aminu, ki lot e aminu, which means if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. That's Isaiah 7.9. I want to, I want to tie that in this way. Remember what I said earlier, our, our natural mind, our secular, worldly, natural mind, we can get lost in our thinking pretty quick. We can lose our way. But if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. What's that saying I say all the time? Hesitant faith is no faith at all. This applies there because sometimes if we say, well, God, I got a job situation I got to handle. I got this. You can have the day off. We've got a health situation. God, I got this. We'll put it in the hands of the doctors. You can have the week off, the month off, the six months off. I got this. We got this. Thank you for your offer, but I'm okay. We don't exercise our faith. We have that job situation, career. What in the world am I going to do? All of a sudden, you've had a major change. Maybe in a space of a few months, you've had eight or nine major life changes, and you say, I've got to think on how I'm going to get through this. Watch the comedian. I'm not going to say his name because I'm sure he wouldn't want my uh, endorsement, but he's absolutely a genius. He does this thing called three mics. On the one mic, he just does one-liners. just reads off one-liners. They're funny. They're good. Then he goes all the way down the stage to the other mic, and he does regular comedy. But it's genius comedy. It's really, really good. Super, super. Comes at you real fast. And then, and in between each of these scenes, it's dark. It goes dark. Then he goes to the center mic. And when the lights come back on, he's at the center mic, and he's a different person. He's sad. He's depressed. And then he begins to tell you no jokes at all about his battle with depression about how his relationship he's, uh, was the youngest of ten. His relationship with his father was so bad, and then subsequently with his siblings, so bad, that he didn't even want to go to the funeral of his father when his father died. His father was a terrible alcoholic. He was super mean to him. He was just an abusive uh, just destroyer. He was a destroyer. And he talks about, this comedian talks about all the things that he did. You know, he got, he did medicine, you know, these really uh, KET, uh, I don't know, I don't know what it's called, K-E-T something, I can't remember what it's called, but really, really powerful drug and what damage that did to him. And then he took these magnetic uh, treatments where they shoot magnetic, uh, they try to target these magnetic uh, uh, assaults, if you will, um, into your brain to focus on the part that deals with depression. He did 45 treatments like that. And then he tried being a big brother because he heard that that's good for your, good for your mind, good for depression. He did all these things. And yet everything in his life seemed to be failing. On one end, you know, he's a big writer, comedy writer. And on the other end, personal relationships were just falling away. He said, my mind was lost. 
But you know what I think is interesting? He talked about what brought him back from that, and it was right thinking. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Without trust in the Lord, there's no stability. You see, in the world, the secular, natural thinking, we have no stability. We really don't. We think we do until things get jacked up. Maybe it's, it, it's evidenced by our hurts, habits, and, and hang-ups. Our hurts, habits, and hang-ups coming, and, and all of a sudden we're jacked up, and we think, man, how'd I get here? How in the world did I get here? Habit starts small, doesn't bother anybody, doesn't hurt anybody, doesn't hurt your relationships, doesn't nothing, doesn't feel like it hurts you, and then all of a sudden you turn around and go, holy crap, what happened? How did it get here? There's no stability. Truth is something trustworthy, reliable, firm or sure. I'll say it again. Truth is something trustworthy, reliable, firm, or sure. I'm going to say this. I have a preference. You ever hear that southern turn, don't shine me on? Man, don't shine me on. You know, that's when somebody's blowing smoke up your skirt. You heard that one? Anybody know what that one is, right? Don't don't blow smoke. You know, uh, people will say that stuff to you. You've not heard it either? Good lands. People, i got to come up with some new stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I don't wear skirts anymore since the operation. Um so uh, I don't like to be specific on my gender. <laughs> Whatever. Ugh. That's a long way down that rabbit trail. Uh, but, you know, you have people tell you something, and they tell you this something. Why? Because they don't – you, you can identify with this. You know somebody's telling you a thing that's not true, but they're, not, they're telling you or not telling you because they don't want to hurt your feelings. I'm a person, man, you better tell me. Tell me the hard truth. Tell me the hard truth. Don't don't mess around with uh, partial truth, a little sliver of truth. Tell me the whole truth. I want to know the whole thing, even if it hurts. Man, I didn't want to tell you because I knew it would hurt your feelings. Let sincerity be its own best interpreter, I say. Aren't those good? They are good. Go ahead and give it a shot. You'll like them. In colloquial English, this is an example. This idea is conveyed when we say, he's a true friend. That indicates that the loyalty and love of the person is certain. Man, you're a true friend. Have you ever said that to somebody that you just caught in a lie? Friend that's betrayed you? Well, you're a true friend. You know what? And that friend may have messed up bad. And they may have hurt you bad. And it takes a long time. Maybe that friend is your spouse. Maybe that friend is... Is your best friend. That friend is, I don't know, a family member. It takes a while to build it back up. Being trustworthy. That's the only way you end up being certain. Loyalty and love in a person as certain. The familiar word, amen. You say that all, all the time. In Hebrew, it's omen. Amen. Likewise, comes from this root. Speaking the truth. Dibor emit. It's considered foundational to moral life. Speak the truth to one another. Render true and perfect justice in your gates. That's Zechariah 8.16. But let's go back a little bit. I like context. For, this is verse 14. For thus says the Lord of hosts, just as I purported to do harm to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, says the Lord of hosts, and I have not relented. So I have again pr- proposed or purposed in these days to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Do not fear these are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to one another. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Also let none of you devise evil in your heart against one another. And do not love perjury. In other words, lying under oath. For all these are what I hate, declares the Lord. You see, in this world, we have been taught by the secular, natural world a different mindset. Listen, it's not just on the left, it's also on the right. Because what does the right do? When a politician gets caught lying, we say, well, they misspoke. Perhaps you misspoke. Well, I was misinterpreted. Now, we can watch the video, right? We can listen to the words, but they'll look us right in the eye and they'll tell us, no, no, I was just, I misspoke. They'll make some semi-humble apology. No, no, let's call it what it is. So we on both sides of thought, the conservative thought or the liberal thought, we, we've come to it. We allow them to pro uh, or co-opt our language and our thinking by changing the words. 
then that's a problem. But scripture's so clear on this. These are the things which you should do. Speak the truth to, no, to one another. Judge with truth. In other words, look, tell the truth to one another. And then when somebody is in a situation where they've got to come to you and say, this is what happened. You know, they tell you the truth. You have, and you have reason to believe they're telling the truth or you have reason to believe they're lying. Judge with truth and judgment for peace in your gates. Man, that's strong stuff. We've got to be truthful to one another. There's a, a term I'm sure everybody in this room has heard, little white lies. We demean truth. We undermine truth when we tell little white lies, but also when we let little white lies, little white lies go. How many of y'all uh, heard Sean Spicer when he gave his press conference talking about the Martin Luther King Jr. bust in the Oval Office? Y'all hear about that? Here's what happened. A Time reporter made a report that President Donald Trump had removed from the White House, from the Oval Office, the bust of Martin Luther King. Now, we do know that Barack Obama did absolutely have the bust of Winston Churchill removed from the Oval Office. I'm proud to report to you that it is back in its proper place. But you see, what happened is, and Sean Spicer, the press secretary for President Trump, came out directly to the press and to the American people and said, you, you did the wrong thing, because why did, he, why did that time reporter say that thing? To incite racism. To indicate that Donald Trump is, in fact, a racist. So racist that he would remove one of the greatest icons in world history, Martin Luther King Jr. When, in fact, the bust was there all along. It was there all along. It's never removed. And so finally they showed a picture of it and said, it's right here. It's never moved. Well, perhaps a Secret Service reporter or Secret Service agent or a reporter was in front of it. No, that's not true. He knew it was there. He was right there. The man saw. He could walk up to it and go, oh, there you go. There it is. He knew the difference and he lied. In times past, you would have a president and a uh, press secretary who would say, well, perhaps you misspoke. Hey, we can, we can all get along. We can reconcile. We can do this. No, we have to call it what it is. That person had malice in their mind to write a report like that. Let none of you devise evil in your heart against another. Do not love perjury, for all these are what I hate, declares the Lord. Yeshua repeatedly said, amen, amen, I say to you, throughout his teaching ministry, to stress the reliability and certainty of God's word. He would say amen twice, sometimes more than twice. You can look in Matthew uh, 5.18, uh, verse 26, others, there's a whole bunch of them. Indeed, Yeshua is called the amen, the faithful and true witness, the amen, the truth. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but by me. The relationship between Hebrew and Greek ideas seems to be that the revelation of God, the Elysia, is reliable and is strong. The source of all truth, the source for all truth in the universe, is found in the person and character of the God of Israel. Blessed be he. The self-disclosure of the Lord is both unforgettable, both in factual and moral sense, as well as entirely trustworthy. Aletheia implies that truth is something that should never be forgotten, and therefore we are regularly admonished not to forget the Lord. It tells us in Deuteronomy 8.11 and Psalm 103.2 to remember remember his covenant, to keep his ways, to guard his precepts, and so on. The scriptures attest that Yeshua is the true light, the true light that comes from eternity to give light and revelation for all mankind. So I guess if you don't believe in scripture, consider Socrates. We all know who Socrates is. We've heard of the Socratic method. You learn by asking questions. The second argument, this is called the second argument, it's called the theory of recollection, asserts that learning is essentially an act of recollecting things that we knew before we were born, but then forgot. A little freaky, I know. True knowledge, argues Socrates, is knowledge of the eternal and unchanging forms that underlie perceptible reality. For example, we're able to perceive that two sticks are equal in length, but unequal in width only because we have an innate understanding of the form 
of equality. That is, when we have an innate understanding of what it means for something to be equal, even though no two things we encounter and experience are themselves perfectly equal, since we can grasp this form of equality, even though we never encountered it in experience, our grasping of it must be a recollection of immortal knowledge we had and then forgot prior to birth. This is Socrates, not me. This argument implies that the soul must have existed prior to birth, which in turn implies that the soul's life extends beyond that of the human body, 470 B.C., before Christ. Remember these things as the secular world and the liberal religiosity, they try to ensnare you. Yeshua said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Truth means to remember. Without Yeshua, our minds are darkened by evil. Make no mistake, there's a lot of evil in this world today. We often remember wrong. How many of you have a family member, and you all were talking about what happened? This happened or that happened, right? But the family member, they remember something totally different than you. Oh, remember one that I'm like, no, my brother one time told me that, told me something, and I was like, I don't remember that at all. Oh no, you you just don't remember. No, I was there. I don't remember that at all. You remember something totally different, so totally different, right? Y'all remember that? One of the things that having the Holy Spirit does for us, this is what we're promised, is that He will bring all things into remembrance and in truth. Even if it's remembering what we should most remember. I want you to hear this. I heard this song, must have been 25 years ago. Must have been 25 years ago. 20, 25 years. Truth. You ever hear that group? Singing group? Gospel group? Wow. Been around a long time. Usually younger people, and then eventually they age out of the group, and new kids come in, and they, you know, careers are, been some famous people coming to that group. They sang a song one time. I was in a I was in a church. I I'd been invited to come to this church to hear this concert of truth. And I'll be honest with you, I was raised a little independent fundamental Baptist boy. I was you know, I was I was not all about hearing a bunch of guitars and drums and all this mess bunch of, you know, soaring and that wasn't that wasn't how I rolled, you know. That I didn't grow up that way. But I said, you know what, I like you folks. Uh their names were the wolves. Uh, they said, hey, you know, we'd like for you to come. We have tickets. You come come here, this group. So I hopped on my motorcycle, and I rode over there. And, of course, you know, I'd never really been in a church that looked like this church. It looked like a concert hall, you know. My mind was already starting to shift a little bit. And then all the lights go out. What in the world they shut the lights out for? What are they going to do next? Pick our pockets? And then all of a sudden this light show happens, and this band that was louder in the Christian man I'd ever heard in my life. I'd never heard of it. They were dressed kind of funny, to be honest, a little bit effeminate. The haircuts were a little bit crazy. But then again, I was kind of times, you know what I mean? I hey, I've shaved head, you know. That was my style. But I start listening and listening to them and I'm drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing. They're pulling me pulling me in deeper until finally I don't remember anything around me. This place is packed, floor to ceiling. I mean, just people everywhere, wall to wall. And then this fellow with the weirdest haircut I think I'd ever seen in my life. But at then, I think it was probably stylish, but I had no style then and no style now. This young fella had the highest voice I'd ever heard. Now, you all know I'm into singing. And before the crash, I was really into singing. And so I can sing tenor, not the highest tenor, but I can sing mid, mid-tenor. I can bust a high note here and there. So I have an appreciation for, for that and, you know, all the different parts. But that one, this kid came out, boy, good lands. He was singing so high. I'd never heard him sing so high. Throughout the whole concert, he was. And then finally, he comes out. And he, there was no lights. Everything, it was dark, completely dark. And then all of a sudden, the only light you saw was on this boy. When I say boy, I mean to tell you, I don't think he was 18 or 19 years old. And he started to sing in a way that I had never heard before. His eyes never opened. His head was back as though he knew Christ was right in front of him. You and me, Father. You and me. The song that he sang, I'd never heard before in my whole life. Never heard this song. I never heard a lot of gospel. Never heard a lot of, uh, I heard gospel, black gospel, because I, I grew up singing gospel and hymns and black gospel. That's, you know, what I liked. But this was different. This was This was really, really different. And as he was singing, his countenance changed. His posture changed until eventually this spotlight was on him. And it was on him in such a way 
that you realized he went from standing and singing with a microphone to his arms were out, his head was back, his feet were together, and on the wall behind him, you saw nothing but the cross. And this is what he sang. To receive when others reject, to treat each other with one, to, to treat each one with true respect, to shield when others throw stones, to be with one who's all alone, to think and to choose to see the very best, to live like this is nothing less than to possess the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, my highest goal, the Lord's delight, the desire of my soul. The Father's heart will always guide my life if I will have in me the mind of Christ. To build up when others tear down, to seek the lost until they are found, to give grace where it is needed most, Rejecting pride when others to sacrifice my all without regret. To live like this is nothing less than to possess the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, my highest goal. The Lord's delight, the desire of my soul. The Father's heart will always guide my life if I will have in me the mind of Christ. You know, I started this off telling you about the different people. And those different people sometimes are us. We we have to confess sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we're wrong about stuff. I've been wrong about stuff throughout this election. I've been wrong about some stuff. And I freely admitted on my radio show on Wednesday and Sunday, I freely admitted it. Uh, and I understand that I am not perfect and sometimes I can get something wrong. I've had to learn in the course of my uh, seminary and, and 11 years of postgraduate education, that sometimes I got something wrong. My mind wasn't in the right place. It wasn't so much that the information was in, it was that my mind wasn't in the right place. Here we are on the precipice of a new president, a new administration, a new way of thinking, a totally different ideology. You You, you might argue fairly that it's diametrically opposed to what we've experienced the last eight years. I say only this to say that. All around us, we hear argument. All around us, we hear people trying to convince us that we're wrong. That happens in churches. Many churches have split over this election. I know many people who, who they've left their church because of this electoral process. But it's not really just that, is it? What it really is, is a difference in the mind. Sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. Here's the thing you just cannot allow yourself to be wrong about. That is this. Christ died for our sins. He saved us through a tortured and beaten. He was hung upon a cross. He was placed in a borrowed grave for us. And yet, he did not remain. Why? Because he was the Father's. He sacrificed his only begotten Son so that we may live. Not so that we can think wrong, but to have the mind of Christ. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.